Good morning, sir. Good morning. I'm a little, uh, I'm low today. Are you low? <laughs> <laughs> not, not mentally, just vocally. The, the sexy voice has come out. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, I'm a real bass today in the morning kind yeah. of voice. Yeah. So you launched. I did, yeah. I launched. Uh, I'm feeling good. There was a moment like late Saturday, early Sunday where I was like, all the pieces are there. Like there are no unknowns left. Like this is actually going to happen. And uh, it felt great. So you, did you have to like stay up super late the night before? Or did you finish at a reasonable hour and were able no. to just... There was some time pressure because I went into the... So I launched on a Monday uh, and I went into the weekend with some things to do still. I estimated all the time for, for all the things that were left on my to-do list. And I was like, this actually seems pretty reasonable. I think I'll be okay. And so I spent Saturday day working. But after that, I was basically set. And just there, there were a couple small items left to finish up on Sunday. And yeah, everything actually... And, and it worked. I had some like last minute editing to do because when I did a review of everything I discovered, I had just forgotten to edit the end of one of the videos. I added um, the video intros that uh, Jack McDade and his people made for me. Got the notes on the repositories, got things set up with Gumroad. So I'm using Gumroad for fulfillment. That's been great, by the way. I'm using this option where you drop in like a line of JavaScript and a URL and they pop up a little hover over thing and uh, it works great. There was a moment I remember like thinking about, should I just build my own checkout, having built a bunch of these checkouts? And I was like, yeah. mm, let's not. <laughs> and it's been, it's been nice because like people have been like, oh, can I uh, get this thing on my invoice? And I'm like, yeah, Gumroad will definitely do that for you. Yeah. And then, yeah. Or like um, some people have emailed me about like nonprofit discounts or things like that. And I'm like, sure, here's a coupon. And I don't have to write the code to take the coupon and yeah, yeah. things like that. Yeah, that um, was a good, good decision. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel very happy about that. That was yeah. no regrets there. Um, oh, by the way, so um, SSL these days on Heroku has become the easiest thing ever, and I'm so happy about it. That was one of my big unknowns where I was like, oh, man, I hope this doesn't, doesn't suck. Because I've, I've had the process of like getting an SSL cert and getting it installed and working correctly has taken me a while in the past. Because sometimes you need to fiddle around with DNS, or you, most of the time, I guess. And so it's like waiting for DNS to propagate to check if it worked and all that. They're now using uh, Let's Encrypt. So it's free and they do everything for you. It's, it was like, it was literally one shell command. Wow. That's really nice. I remember the last time I set it up, I think it was still an upcharge. Like you had to pay extra for it. You maybe had to go out and buy a cert somewhere else. Yes. But, yeah. Yep. So that's what I'm used to doing. Yeah. And like, it was always the dodgiest website or like right. the, just like <laughs> and now we're going to email you like it was and they would always want to do a, a verification that you own the domain so they would email the admin contact which inevitably i was not getting the email for and yeah it was just always this like multi-step process of administration that sucked yeah well good for like, them heroku starts add and it was like done sweet you're now encrypted and i just refreshed the page it's like https and i was like oh my god yeah that's awesome we're living in the future so folks <laughs> we are yeah yeah so that was good Basically, everything was set up as of Sunday, and then Monday morning, uh, I wrote up the email. Like, hey, it's it's going. Here it is, email, uh, which was very short and sweet. It was just kind of like, hey, it's live. I'm really excited. You should check it out. Here's the link to the sales site, and if you have questions, let me know. Other than that, having been burned on email blasts before, um, I did a partial send. So there were like 900-something people on the launch list um, Monday morning, and I sent out the first round to like 100 people just to like make sure everything works like the link is correct and no one says like hey you totally forgot this major thing 
So I did that and waited like a couple hours and like sales started coming in and no one was having questions and people were like, congrats, looks good, I'm excited. And so I was like, okay. And so I pulled the trigger on the rest of the list and uh, yeah, went well. Cool. Yeah. And how do the how do your vital metrics look on that email? Is it like was it a solid open rate, click through rate? That's a good question. I didn't even check that after the fact. Let me pull it up. Um, yeah, open rate was seventy two percent. Oh, geez, that's great. Yeah, and the click through is forty eight percent. Nice. Wow, yeah. those are stellar metrics. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Point uh, eight unsubscribe. So some people are like, you know what? I've just had enough. Never mind. <laughs> right, exactly. It's live. Like, you know what? Screw you. I don't want to hear from you again. My hope is that that person bought it and then yeah. unsubscribed. It's like, don't email me ever again. I, I bought your thing, but I don't want to hear right. from you. Right. <laughs> um, I guess it's a couple people, but whatever. That's okay. Yeah. Um, so you want to talk about numbers? Yeah. Let's hear them. Yeah. I've been, I haven't had numbers to share in so long. This is exciting. Yeah. So, okay. So the course launched Monday morning. This is Thursday morning. Um, and I'm at uh, just under 18,000 in sales. Very nice. So 143 total purchases. So on the pricing, I decided to do, can't remember the name, but I, so I read this interesting post, which is like, there's like the yes and yes pricing or something like this, where it's like one price uh, and then like a little bit more for kind of a lot more. And the idea is to get people just choosing which tier versus, and like making one tier obviously look attractive versus, you know, which tier, like, should I buy this at all? Uh, and so I have I launched with seventy nine ninety nine for the pricing, so discounted twenty dollars on the base tier, which is just the videos, and then the top tier was discounted from one forty nine um, for the videos plus notes plus code. Almost everyone has purchased the top tier. The top tier is has gotten like sixteen thousand of the sales, so it's based almost all of it. People definitely pick the top one. Cool. Did you end up launching with any team based tiers, or are they all kind of just individual licenses? Uh, I did launch with team-based tiers. Um, so in the top tier, there are team purchases. So like two ninety nine for five people and three ninety nine for ten people or something like this. I added some some bulk purchasing up there, and so that that has actually brought up the average sale price a fair amount. Like the actual average revenue per person is one hundred and twenty six dollars. So it's uh, it worked to bring that price up a bit. Had someone buy a thousand dollar package for their team, which was pretty cool. Conversion rate have uh, pretty high actually uh, on that from the thing. Like so, there's been 465 views of the packages and 124 sales that Gumroad is a well. No, that's that's not true. Total aggregate 143 sales, but of the ones that came from referred from my site, uh, the conversion rate is 27 percent right now. Okay. So yeah, that seems that seems pretty, pretty decent. Yeah, you said is it 400 and something total views of all the packages? Is that in aggregate or just? Total views of so I, I'm I'm not sure exactly what Gumroad counts as a view because yeah. like their JavaScript is on my page like is that a page load or is mm-hmm. it if someone clicks the like show me the product thing I don't mm-hmm. actually know mm, got uh, it but they, but they say 533 views okay so you had 900 on your list and you had 70 percent open which is like you know That's over that 630 so there's still probably some nudging to to happen you know with your yes. Right. Continued follow-up emails and such. Um, totally, yeah. I had already sent some other emails. So one I sent was a follow-up to the launch list, which was uh, two days later saying, um, I put up a full one of the whole videos on as a sample, which I haven't done yet, and said, hey, here's, here's a sample of an entire video. Um, and just kind of like another poke. And that definitely nud- caused another like burst of sales. Uh, and I also emailed my uh, personal newsletter. 
and just said, hey, I haven't talked about this much here, but this thing's going on if, if you're interested, check it out. And that, that also, that works too. turns out emailing large groups of people that have asked to hear from you <laughs> um, works really well. Yeah, email still works. It is not dead, as they say. <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely not. The feedback, I haven't seen much feedback on the course itself yet, I think because it just, just got going. Uh, but the early feedback that I have gotten from people has been positive, which is really nice to see. Um, but also just a lot of the Ruby community is really supportive, it feels like to me. A lot of people have said, you know, I've, I've learned a lot from you over the years, therefore I'll be buying this for sure kind of thing. And it's almost like a, I appreciate the stuff you've done, so I'm going to support you. And that's just, that's such an awesome uh, mentality. Yeah. And I think it speaks to the the value of like giving back to a community over time. I mean, this stuff doesn't happen overnight and it's one of those tricky things. It's hard to educate someone who's just starting out and wanting to say like, I want to launch a course on Rails someday and you can't build community and following and trust um, overnight. But that's the kind of thing that comes from just putting in the work over the years and being a good citizen of the community that you're in and you know, it's it's something like, you know, you, there's no overnight uh, solution to that. You just kind of got to got to put in the work. And you definitely. Yeah. And like just having done a lot of, you know, free type teaching gigs in the past. I think it's good. Like a, a lot of people say, like, I learned a lot from your talks, like the, all these conference talks that end up for free on YouTube or whatnot. Not directly monetizable, I guess, but the goodwill over time can eventually uh, pay off pretty nicely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So two questions for you. What worked really well and what didn't work in your launch or what would you do differently? I don't know. Like, I'm not sure what my metrics are for having worked well, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like I'm happy with the sales number. So like yesterday's sales were 5,000. I imagine today will drop off a lot because I'm probably not going to email any of those lists today. So, so I have one more thing that I'm like one more major bump I expect is where like I announced the discount is ending. Um, and so I expect another bump there. So I, I, I figured this will end around 25K, maybe somewhere in there, like our, during the launch period. And then, you know, a, a slow trickle after that, hopefully. That to me is success. Like that's, that's pretty awesome. If I had more experience and more subscribers and more all this stuff, I'm sure I could do better and other people have. But uh, this is, it feels good to me. There's no A-B test for me right now. So it's like, what worked particularly well? I don't know. It seems to have worked. So it could have been better. could have been worse. Yeah. It's probably too early to tell like what your overall conversion rate is going to be from your list and some of those other things. So maybe I'll have a more complete picture later on. Did you have like a specific goal in mind or was it just kind of like you'll know it when you do it if it's if you're, you know, satisfied with the result? I, I sort of did, but there was sort of it was basically based on other people's blog posts of, hey, I launched this thing and it made this much money. I was expecting about this number because I was... I was sort of figuring uh, maybe I'll convert 20 to 30% of the list into purchasers. And so, and we're hovering around that right now. And so I figured it would, the numbers would be right around here. The price tier seemed to have worked really well, but it probably won't surprise you, but my inclination on pricing is usually, is usually to push it up pretty aggressively. But on this, I, I kind of shot the other way. And I said like a hundred bucks feels pretty purchasable for most people that are developers. Maybe not true for people in other countries and such and like nonprofits and whatnot, but that felt like a, like a kind of not quite impulse purchase, but, but close, I guess. Uh, and, I, and I wanted it to feel like that where it's like, Ben's a good guy. This course looks good. It's a hundred bucks. That's not that much. Yeah, I'll just, I'll just pull the trigger and maybe even just like, just cause I like him and think he's a good guy. I wanted to be in that range as opposed to, Ooh, you know, like $200 or $150. Mm, well, how many videos are in the course and how many hours are they? And 
what am I doing this weekend? And so I, I think that worked well. But again, there's no, uh, I have no B, B test to confirm against. Yeah, that's the hard thing is it, it you got a lot of this is kind of gut feel and conversations with people who have done it before, which it sounds like you've talked a fair amount to Adam, right? Who's launched uh, similar types of courses and stuff. And, and kind of that's all you can do, you know? So. Yeah, just I'm just kind of playing it by ear. I have some experience with like launching stuff and teaching Ruby and things like that, but doing it fully on my own was was definitely a new experience. But it seems to have gone pretty well. Like I, the, we hit the deadline that I wanted to hit, and so far there have been no catastrophes. I had one person ask for a refund, um, but other than that, so far so good. Cool. So you have your Ruby Meetup tour, right? Hmm. Um, yes. So I'm going on like the Ruby on Rails podcast next week which I think will be nicely timed. Yeah, that's basically the next thing on my list is get my abstract together, like get a talk pitch together for a talk that will work well to promote the course um, and then get on some calendars. Because I'm currently not on, I don't think I have any other speaking gigs scheduled right now. So yeah, so it's basically like applying to different large-scale meetups and touring around in November. Yeah, doing hand-to-hand combat. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Selling on the road. Yep. Pack my traveling salesman suitcase. And go. <laughs> the Ben Ornstein Roadshow. <laughs> yeah. There's that. Also, um, I, I discovered something interesting, which is over time, accidentally, I have like 900 YouTube subscribers. Oh, wow. Yeah. Without even like, really paying attention <laughs> to it. Like I turned off the notifications about new subscribers at one point and uh, just like happened to bump into the, the day. And I was like, oh, there are about as many people subscribed to me on YouTube as on my launch list. <laughs> So I'm going to make a video of like, hey, uh, I made a course, like just like actually my face talking and saying things to people yeah, and uh, point people that way because I don't have a way of emailing those people, but I can, I can make a video and right. talk to them. Right. What do you have on YouTube? Is it like conference talks and stuff you've given? It's, it's, it's not much. Um, I, so I, I, do, I did put the series, like so all my samples are on YouTube. So I did create a playlist of like refractoring rail samples kind of random stuff i guess i did oh yeah like so there were there were some things like six years ago where i was doing some walkthrough of rails code and some vim tips and things like that so that probably got it started other than that it's just been the the latest refactoring rails samples so i think that's what drove most of that those cool. numbers. yeah nice well leverage that <laughs> uh okay if i must <laughs> um but yeah I, I gave um so i gave two talks a few weeks ago and in both of them, I finally did something that I wish I'd done years ago, which is include a pitch for my newsletter to people. So never again will I give a talk and not do that. All this great material out there that I that just sort of barely points to me in, in loose ways. Twitter, basically. I'm interested in following up with people that purchased and just seeing like what the experience of the course is like. And um, maybe if there are things to like supplement it or like some sort of video call we could do or something like i, I want to make sure that people that actually bought it and downloaded it and tried to learn from it got had good results so i can't find the number right now for some reason uh but i noticed that of the purchasers there was something like half of them downloaded the videos and the half hadn't yet oh hmm. and so it might be that people are like you know waiting to do it or the gumroad also has like a uh just send this right to my dropbox option hmm. so it could be that they don't count people doing that and i wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of developers with dropbox uh, but I've also just anecdotally heard from other people like uh, Brennan Den and whatnot that like people will buy info products and then just like they just drop them in a in a directory and then they're like, I'll get to this later. Guilty. Oh, like I bought maybe Haskell. I think you recommend that. Recommended that <laughs> yep. The ThoughtBot yep. uh, book, right? 
Mm-hmm. And like, I have this this books, I have like this ebooks and something folder in Dropbox that I just drop them Same. in. And then I like, Same. I think I threw a Trello card, like, read this book. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. I, I want to, I have this fantasy of doing like a retreat where I just like get together like 10 different things I've been meaning to read or learn or mm-hmm. whatever and just dra- do them all at once. Yeah. Just blitz it. I know that's like something I should probably develop a habit for of like daily reading or, you know, daily content consumption of some kind. It's one of those aspirational things. I just need to form the habit, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, so am I forgetting to cover anything from this, this experience? I mean, I think it's, I think it's a pretty good summary. Um, off to a good cool. start. What, what's your, have you nailed down a timeline of your uh, discount window? I have not. Okay. Um, so like I said last time, my plan is basically as once sales slow down enough yeah. uh, to just announce it then. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. Like it's early in the day now, so I can't, I'm not sure what the numbers are going to look like, but I, I expect them to, to trail off pretty aggressively like today, over, especially over the weekend. So I wouldn't be surprised if early next week is when it, it happened. So it's been a while since I've had a product for sale. It's been years now, actually. And it's, it's pretty awesome. Uh, like getting an email of like you just made a sale while you were doing another thing is maybe the coolest thing ever. It is. Yeah. After I launched CodeTree, every sign up would send an email directly to my phone, like email address just signed up so I could just keep an eye on, you know, someone from some company I recognize signed up and want to immediately follow up on them or something. Every time a purchase came through or money was, was charged, I had like emails coming directly to me. And it's not something that you want to keep going forever because it could be a distraction, you know, but... For me, that's like exactly what I needed as like the reward for all the hard work. <laughs> it's like I want to totally. I want to see every dollar that gets charged come into my inbox. Yep, that's how I'm feeling right now. It's a nice feeling too when you turn it off. Like that's also a great. You like I've arrived. Right. Yeah. A friend of mine even had this app that would make like a cash register sound every time someone bought. <laughs> it's like ching. Nice. <laughs> that's cool. Yeah. I like that a lot too. Yeah, I, I went to dinner the other day. Paid the bill and was looking at the check. I was like, okay, that was $71. And then I pulled up my phone. And it was like, I sold $100 with a screencast as I sat here. <laughs> cool. Boom. Positive ROI. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's pretty nice. Yeah. So what's new in your world? Well, I teased something last week about mm-hmm. um, a project that we're starting. And we're high, you know, we have a position posted for a front-end engineer. And I can actually mention what the project is because it's been it's been publicly disclosed. So we are setting out to build a visual email editor in Drip. We've resisted building this for a long time, mostly because studies will show that emails that look like plain text emails are most likely to be engaged with because they just look like, you know, a person opened up their email client and wrote you an email. And I think they've shown that like it, the more graphically designed an email looks, the more our brains are trained to just think this is marketing email. I'm going to skim it or skip it altogether, right? And with our core audience, the audience we began with with Drip, which is like self-service SaaS companies and people selling uh, selling ebooks or selling you know courses online or and things like that, um, you know that kind of communication is probably best served with plain text looking emails. So it was kind of a best practice and was also an easier engineering task because we could just offer a very simple editor. And so it was kind of a win-win on both fronts. But as, as Drip has expanded into, you know, different markets, um, more, more people selling things online, people want to be able to, you know, lay out little grids of products or, you know, just produce more polished 
looking marketing emails, kind of the demand has grown for this for this feature to the point where, you know, feels like a high priority and a thing to to break ground on. So our designer has has been working on some mockups in HTML actually. So they're kind of interactive and we're we're hammering out like the finer details of how we can execute better on this than any other editor out there. So we've done a lot of like analyzing the landscape, all the the email editors that probably most people would be familiar with who have used, you know, email marketing tools in the past and looked at what works well in those and what doesn't work well. And and I think we have some really great ideas on on how to put our own drip flare on it and make it uh, just a little bit more usable and a little more user friendly. So that's awesome. Yeah. When you make something that feels like it's a signature of your company, do you call it drippy? Um, you know, we should. Drippy is actually the name of our mascot. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. I don't, nice. And if you've if you've seen a loading screen in Drip, you've probably seen Drippy and his various. Yeah, emotions. yeah, yeah. Um, okay, gotcha. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, Drippy or, or Drip like. I don't know. Sure. Um, That's cool. I mean, starting a fresh like project like that is so fun yeah it is fun and it's like it feels similar to when we endeavored to build workflows and we kind of went through the same exercise of like there are a few other uh, tools like this on the market today and there's obvious shortcomings that we've observed and and just heard from users in the space and so we're kind of taking a similar approach where you know we're, we're building out prototypes of this and we're gonna we're gonna show it to folks we're gonna get some feedback and find out you know what what are they trying to accomplish? What do they not need? It's always a question of like, how can we build a minimum amount? Not, not necessarily to make it less featureful, but just like you know, the less the less features you have built into the into the tool, uh, the more user friendly it's going to be. You know, the less clutter. I'm going to want a wall of checkboxes and configurability. Just just the minimum amount that people need, and ideally, it would it would be difficult to make a bad looking email with this tool. And that's kind of what we're going for. You know. Make it really hard to make a crappy looking email. <laughs> sounds legit. Are you still you think going to use Elm for this? I think it, I think Elm is the perfect tool for this. So I'm I'm yes. still championing that. Um, awesome. Yeah, I've started playing around a little bit with it. I'm going to try not to be the the primary contributor on this because I really want my team to kind of spearhead it and and run with it. But I'm going to definitely check out that video um, that you mentioned about. Uh, was it from Richard Feldman or? Or someone mm-hmm. from the Elm yep. community talking about, about how teaching to... Elms to beginners. Yep, yep, yep. So I, I watched that, that by the way. It's it, it is good. Cool. It's legit. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. If you're, I'll throw this out there again. If you're, if you want to do some Elm almost full time, uh, we do have a position open. We're looking in Minneapolis first, but you know, it's a cool city. If you want to relocate, uh, we'd love to have you. So <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, I'm just making myself a note to make sure to promote this episode uh, slash job when we when it goes out because I I think there's a lot of demand for Elm positions so if we like if you posted that to the Elm I'm sure there are Elm job board type things at this point that would be worth getting on yeah for sure I had a I had a thought the other day Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, as you do (laughs) yes wow a little, still a little loopy. Um, it was sort of a tongue-in-cheek tweet joke that I didn't tweet. It was an amazing setup. It was like, <laughs> we are Modernizer LLC. We come in and we rewrite a portion of your boring app in some sexy new technology so that you can recruit good engineers to work on this project to your otherwise boring company. 
that's actually not a bad idea. <laughs> I kind of agree. <laughs> I think it's not insane. Yeah. It's like, oh, you're a big Java shop? Cool. We're going to come in and we'll write a small closure service for you. And then you can recruit a bunch of closure nerds. Yeah. Or, you know, Elm. Like, we'll write some JavaScript in Elm or whatever. Yeah. This, the, the tech industry is, I think, pretty unique in that we are so particular about the tools we like and there's there's so much demand for good engineering talent that like you can afford to be super particular about oh i like this tech stack and i don't like this tech stack i mean it's a kind of a it's kind of an elite industry problem i would say that like you know but it, it's just kind of the nature of where we are where there's just you know there's there's so many companies and there's so much you know yeah i honestly think this is a competitive edge that's not taken advantage of often enough yeah i agree of like it's it's like oh we started a new startup and we're using rails like Mm -hmm. cool you know like you're going to compete with everybody for those rails engineers and i think most people just think like oh well that we need to make sure there are lots of engineers available in the technology we choose and i think that's just not that's a that's a very logical way to think about it and also wrong yeah yeah because i think it's that you know as i found uh, more and more, it's less about what tech stack someone has been doing for a long time, and more about what they're on fire to work on. You know, hundred um, percent. Yep. And I've seen like we've we've had some folks um, actually in, within inside the building move onto the drip team recently um, onto our platform team because you know they're working on technologies that I've they've had experience with and they can do it and it's fine, but it, they're not jazzed about it. And I've seen like the light in their eye, the twinkle in their eyes as they're like talking through problems with working on, you know, using the technologies that they really love. And that's when you're going to get the most productivity and the, the, you know, the greatest utilization of your team is when they're, they're doing things that they're really on fire for. Totally. And, and that excitement I think is actually justified. I think it's, it is a little bit that we're spoiled. Um, that's definitely a factor, but also if you want to stay in this industry for a while and be in demand, you have to keep learning those new, new skills. Like if you're if you're someone that wants to just focus on one forever, that's you can probably actually make a career that like you can still go write COBOL if you want. But if you like being cutting edge and you like working on the newest things and and uh, being in demand continuously, you have to keep your skills up to date. And so, like it's not just like choosing to go work on new technology keeps you future-proofed in a way right and that's what that's kind of the contract that you enter with your employees is like they're you know you hire them and they're going to to you know build great software for you as the company you being the company and then in exchange they're going to get to continue advancing their skill sets and you know their resume if they're concerned about resume building or whatever whatever they're looking to get out of it you know that's kind of the that's kind of the exchange right and so when they're working on um, interesting new technology that's going to stick around, you know, not just the latest hotness of JS frameworks, but things like Elm that I think are here to stay. That's an opportunity for someone to become gain mastery over that, that, uh, that tool set. And they can take that with them anywhere, you know? So I'm excited. I think, uh, I, I think this is going to be a great use of Elm. Um, I've been, not that I've been looking for an excuse to use it, but, um, it certainly, but you have it certainly, <laughs> yeah. I'll say I, I have a little bit, um, and yeah. it just happened to align with with business goals. So I'm, yeah. I'm pleased. I'm sure you would not do something irresponsible just to use Elm. Oh, of course not. That that Never. does not seem like you at all. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm really excited to hear what this is like. Uh, assuming that it does that you do use Elm, and I'm I'm, I'm really looking forward to those updates because I have written a decent amount of Elm at this point, but never like 
this will be an, you know at least an order of magnitude anything uh, larger than anything I've written and you know in anger with deadlines you know when money is being spent and all that so I'm, I'm really curious how it goes yeah yeah me too and I I mean I, I will admit it's a little bit of an unknown territory but I'm relying on the fact that there are a number of companies out there saying you know we have hundred thousand plus lines of Elm code in production and still love it after two or three years. And it's like, it's kind of metrics like that. Like they don't mean much, but what they mean, what they really tell signal to me is that companies have been using it for a while, you know, with a large mature code base and they haven't regretted the decision. So it's, that's a good sign at least, even though I've, you know, there are very few companies who have actually gone that far with it, but I'm trusting. I'm trusting those people's. Uh, As another data point for you, mm-hmm. uh, I've been talking to some thoughtbotters recently who have been using Elm on client projects mm-hmm. uh, to continued great success. Nice. So more real world use that people are happy about. Yeah. So I think you're on the right path. Yeah, I'd I'd love to use it too in in like other parts of Drip. I think this is going to be a good first use of it, and then mm-hmm. you know gradually, maybe more parts of it can. I know that's kind of the traditional path, folks seem to take is like yeah don't you obviously you never want to rewrite your entire javascript code base but you can just kind of start working working elm into the stack gradually um yep so totally yeah i'm i've been thinking about the future and i am sorely tempted to do to make some sort of elm product like Mm -hmm. elm probably educational product i Mm -hmm. think Mm -hmm. it's it's just like i really loved giving that talk and having people come up and be like, I'm so pumped about Elm now. I have to try it. And I was like, really? yes, you do have to try it. Yeah. Like, I, I enjoy getting excited about a thing and then making other people excited. Yeah. And I, I, I kind of, I've been thinking about what a good fit might be for that. Yeah. I mean, depending on what your goals are on like, you know, continuing to produce educational content, I think there is an opportunity to, to be like, I, I don't know if there's someone who is the, the Ryan Bates of the Elm community or, you know, whatever the analogy is. And I think there's like an opportunity to, for someone to be like, the primary source of ramping up to Elm, you know, like I don't think someone has stepped up quite in the Ryan Bates fashion for Elm. So, yeah, it doesn't quite feel that way either. Um, I know, like Richard Feldman is kind of like the 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 figurehead in a way, as like the like a big a big force in that field, and he has been doing a lot of talks and he's writing a book. Uh, but as far as like online content, I'm not sure how much there is. I haven't found that much to be honest. Pragmatic Programmers has a course. Um, Daily Drip has some content there. But yeah, I, I agree. That, and that's the nice thing about new f- fields, right? Like Ruby is... I have an audience in the Ruby world and trust built up there and all that. And there are a lot of people there. But there's also like tons of competition and whatnot. Sure. Yep. Um, so it's 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 fun to me to be in like uh, more fertile territory. Yeah. And it's a, it's a little bit of a bet. Like you, you'd be betting exactly. that, that it's going to expand over time and then it will pay off eventually, you know? Definitely. And I'm, I'm, I'm willing to make a bet there. I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable with this bet. Mm-hmm. I know there are other competitors to Elm. Like, what is it? PureScript is like, mm-hmm. uh, for me, it seems like people still like Elm because it's a bit more pragmatic. Is that kind of your take? Um, uh, I don't know if I would use the word pragmatic. Yeah, um, I th- I think there are a bunch of reasons people like it, but I think one of the big benefits is that it's holistic. Like you opt into Elm, and then you get all of the you get an ecosystem of tools. Whereas you're like, okay, we're going to do React. Okay, now what are you going to use for the data? Like, what are you going to use for this? What are you going to use for that? And you end up sort of cobbling together seven different tools to make your stuff work. Whereas with Elm, you're like, okay, we are going to use Elm, and then you're basically done with decisions in a certain sense in terms of like which pieces go together. That was super attractive to me when I was thinking about like, um, I kind of play around on the side with Elixir, right? And uh, 
and I've been building some stuff in Elixir and using some GraphQL and using some Elm. And uh, it was so nice to just know like, oh, the Elm architecture, it's basically like a framework within a language. Awesome. This is great. <laughs> like I don't need. Yeah. Yep. And I don't, I don't actually, I don't haven't used uh, PureScript, TypeScript, what do you say TypeScript? Um, I think it's PureScript is the, PureScript. is the functional, yeah, is like a. Gotcha. Similar thing. Yeah, I haven't used it. Although if it has a really good type system and like a helpful compiler, then that's pretty awesome. Like that's a big point in its favor. But I, I, I don't know if you, I mean, I, I wouldn't want to have to compete with how friendly Elm is right. in terms of errors and helpful type things and all that. Yeah. And I think uh, that my sense is like, that's where Elm gets its edge is like, it has perhaps a more opinionated language. I'm just, I'm not speaking from a position of knowing much about pure script. So that's my caveat but like i it seems like evan is pretty dang opinionated in a good way about what goes into elm and he's been willing to like to ditch some of the elements of functional in the name of being easy to use and easy to get ramped up and stuff so um yeah i like that definitely that's another big one in their favor it's like i think the 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 steward slash creator is making really awesome decisions yep one other small plug, too, is I've been trying out. Mm-hmm. So a couple of my coworkers try, were trying out a new editor, and it's actually Microsoft's Visual Studio Code editor. I saw you tweet about that. Yeah, it's been pretty cool because it. I think it brings in, it's it's very similar to Atom in its approach. Like it's a, an Atom and Sublime Text and all these, you know, kind of text editors with an ecosystem of, of nice plugins. I was hacking around on some Elm in there, and the inline compiler feedback is really cool. So when you save a file... You know, install the Elm plugin or whatever for, into the editor. Then you save a file, and if there's compilation errors, you get the little squiggly underlines on the code, and you you just hover over it, and it gives you the full Elm compiler error message. So rather than kind of flipping between console and code, and then trying to align, you know, look at line numbers and all that kind of stuff, it's just kind of all deeply integrated. And I found myself a bit more productive than I was uh, using Atom with Elm Elm stuff. So. Yeah, it seems like a pretty cool thing. Check it out. I think it does have like Vim plugins and stuff too. So you can like, you know, it can act, behave like Vim. So, so I haven't done the Vim stuff, Vim plugin on it. But if I, if I do want to learn the Vim ways, <laughs> I may be, still be able to have the nice, a uh, little bit more IDE like functionality plus Vim. So I don't know. I feel like yeah. that could be, could be cool. Yeah, I think there are probably some nice options out there, like depending on how good your Vim uh, emulation is. Mm hmm. Yeah, uh, but if you if you want the Vim the basic Vim stuff, you might be able to get it in a different editor and still yeah. have you know get the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Cool. So Microsoft sponsored this week's show. Yeah, yeah, and actually it's open source, which is like you know it truly is a new era for Microsoft. I think it's yeah, it, that's it's crazy. no longer Balmer's Microsoft. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. Yeah. Nice. All right. Well, it seems like a good place to stop. Yeah, I think so. And congrats again, man, on launching. It's a big, big milestone. So cheers to Thank that. Thank you. I, it feels great to have shipped it. Yeah. You know, everything after, like now is kind of gravy in a way. Where it's like mm-hmm. there's, there's things I want to do and ideas I have, but it's mostly kind of like, okay, the, the, the shipping has happened and now right. it's kind of like some interesting projects on top of it. Yeah. And it's a, and it's a one-time sale product, which means that you, you don't, when you launch a SaaS, it's like the real work begins after launch day. But this is one of those things where you, I think you, you can feel pretty nice that like you can continue marketing it and promoting it and all that. But a lot of the hard work truly is done, which is must feel yes. nice. You know? It does. And a sale rolled in while we were talking. <sighs> Excellent. Cha-ching. <laughs> <laughs> Cha-ching. Oh, what more could you want? Yep. All right. 
Uh, if you'd like to access the show notes for this episode, you can go to artofproductpodcast.com and we'll see you next time. See ya.